Hey everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the Creative Nature Podcast. Hi, welcome, welcome back. I'm excited to bring a really beautiful conversation with my friend Jade Mars your way. And this is special because, I mean, I always say that, they're all special, of course. But this is a cool one, I think, because Jade was one of my very first guests in episode number 10. And so it's really cool to think about all the things that have changed in that time. Our first conversation came out in 2017, and I was, of course, a really different person then. I hope I've learned a ton between now and then. Uh, then and now basically and yeah it was just great to catch up and in this way we talked about many things that I really value like scene writing DIY publishing valuing all kinds of intimacy the beauty of neurodivergent perspectives care affection and closeness with the non-human world and many other things I really hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did a few updates from me. Um, my business community is closing this week, so if you want to join us, consider this like a last call. A link to it in the show notes. Um, we'll open back up in September. It's a beautiful space. I really love the new people that signed up, um, and it's a year-long program available on a sliding scale. We have more than thirty live calls each year, so it's a really kind of rounded, comprehensive program i think for small business owners otherwise i have a free workshop coming up in about two weeks time about rituals with self others and the world um, that i'm really looking forward to so if you're curious about that you can sign up on my website as well and yeah i think that's it pretty much i finished my first quilt uh last week i'm gonna share it later today in my newsletter i also made a hand-sewn top this weekend which was really mind-blowing <laughs> in a way I love the process so much I have a sewing machine that I really treasure but it's pretty loud and it's not obviously not as portable as a project and not as social and so this top is based on a pattern by 100 acts of sewing by Sonia Flips um, which is really simple and size inclusive which I love and I chose a meter of like deep green linen fabric to make it and I even included French seams inside so it feels really pleasing to wear it's so kind of neat and yet you'd see that it's handmade or you know hand stitched with these small irregularities that actually are really really nice so yeah I'm thinking about hand sewing and um, sharing that some more maybe I'll offer a workshop in the summer but for now I'll say that I've I've started a community called the queer needle workers collective um, and so if you're working with needles in any way be it crochet or knitting or sewing or weaving um, really anything you're super welcome to join us if you're queer <laughs> it's a queer space um, and yeah it's it's just free it's on mighty networks a community on there so we can just share our work i would love to talk um, to everyone about radical needlework histories and how we relate to needlework as part of our mental health care and identity and community and all these exciting things. So I will also link to that in the show notes um, in case you're interested. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful day. Hello, everyone. As you know, I've become a really big fan of second interviews. 
And I'm really excited to speak to my friend Jade again. They are an amazing writer, they make incredible zines, and they have been one of my very first guests about five years ago. So it's really cool time travel today to kind of speak again, maybe reflect a little bit on where our creative journeys have gone in the meantime, um, and also talk about and Jade's latest scene. So I'm very excited. Jade, thank you so much for making time. I am so, so excited, like I said, to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me, Yarrow. Yeah, it's really nice to be back. I can't believe it's been five years and I feel like, you know, we're even talking about the same things, but it's going to be really different. And I'm just excited, yeah, as you say, to see how things have evolved and changed in that time. Yeah, me too. I think it's really, I think that's just always a good reminder for everyone to hear that things really do change because especially in through the pandemic, it, it can be so easy to feel like, I'm stuck, you know, I'm not where I should be in life and I want to be in this other place now, but actually just looking back at the last five years, so much has changed. But anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's begin with my favorite question. Where are you in the world and what is nature like around you? Thank you. Um, so I'm in Brighton in the UK, which obviously you know well, Yaro, having lived here. Um, and that's where we first met. Um, so it's springtime at the moment and I think we're having some classic British spring in that like two weeks ago I was going for walks and like sitting on the grass in my t-shirt and then like a week after that it was snowing. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of used to that now. It just snows in April every year. It's weird. Um, but I think this is actually one of my favourite times of year. Um, I think like as soon as the snowdrops come out, I'm like, okay, the new year is starting and everything's going to be okay. Um, so at the moment, like it's wild garlic season and I'm very excited about that. I'm like eating it every day, like pesto, like salad. I'm just like very, very obsessed with wild garlic. And I found a new spot very near my house the other day of wild garlic. So I'm super excited to have found that. Um, Otherwise, I feel like it's just, it's a time of everything's yellow. There's like primroses are everywhere, like celandine, daffodils. Um, yeah, it's like, it's a good time of year. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot, even though I, I'm not able to get out as much at the moment. But yeah, it's a really beautiful time of year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember a spring in Brighton. It is really beautiful. I think the only thing I like better is that time in May when the Hawthorne trees up mm, mm -hmm. really yeah so good <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us a little bit more about your writing practice and why you love scenes so much mm -hmm. so I think I must have actually got into zines I think about 10 years ago now I was thinking about it earlier um, and I initially got into zines through being involved in like feminist and DIY kind of activist stuff and I think at the time I just like finished my master's and I was kind of, I don't know, you know, maybe having that like post-university like existential crisis where you're like, I don't know, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Um, and I found like being involved like in those like feminist scenes and things and connecting with that like DIY media, like I feel like that really gave me like some purpose and like a way to like orient and ground myself and I think, you know, I've always liked writing, but it was really refreshing to be able to take the practice of writing outside of like an academic experience. And it just felt like super freeing to be like, 
you know, I don't, I can just write whatever I want now, <laughs> you know, I'm not getting graded on this, like, I don't have a word limit, like, I just have, like, complete freedom to write whatever I want, however I want, and and then I can just publish it, and I can exchange those ideas with people, like, really easily and quickly, and I think for me that was quite, like, a revolutionary experience. Um, I think, yeah, there's something about zine culture because it is so like DIY, it's really like cheap and accessible and, you know, almost anyone can make a zine. And I feel like there's this really great community around it, which is like very supportive and just really easy to like connect with other people. And, you know, there's the zines that I read like 10 years ago and now I still know those people and I still read their zines and it's just like really lovely to watch that progression like through time um, and watch people's like writing evolve and like you know see how people's lives change um yeah does that make sense yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it totally makes sense and I feel I feel totally the same and I think it's a beautiful segue also into queer intimacy because I think it's such an intimate process to witness someone and share of oneself Mm -hmm. without any gatekeepers right and then maybe also with much less perfectionism and much more immediacy and just like sharing the moment and I know that I've seen that I cringe a little bit about now but I'm still I'm still really grateful that they're there and that people were reading them at the time and I hope that people are open to maybe reading things that I'm thinking about now and seeing how that changes anyway um what does queer intimacy mean to you? Um, maybe in the context of zines, but also more broadly in terms of relationships and the world and yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, like building on that like zine culture intimacy, like I think actually I one of like the reasons why I got into zines is because I even before that, since I was like quite a young teenager, I was also like I had a lot of pen pals. So I was always like writing and exchanging with people. And it feels like the kind of like interest in zines came out of that as like another way to like connect with people and there's like yeah there's definitely a particular kind of intimacy that comes between like readers and writers um, which I really love and find really valuable. Um, I think queer intimacy in a more general sense um, for me that feels like expanding the idea of intimacy. I suppose we normally think of intimacy mostly in sexual terms maybe also romantic um, but I like to think of intimacy or like queering intimacy as all the different kinds of intimacies that we experience in our lives in like all different areas so I think about things like spiritual intimacy or like intellectual intimacy I think about like environmental intimacy and how we have relationships with the places that we live um, or with plants with animals things like that um, I'm really interested in technological int intimacy at the moment, which I think about, you know, actually, if we think about like our phones or like our computers and stuff, and actually the relationship that we have with those tools is, it's actually very intense and very close. And that's like probably one of the things that we like touch the most every day, you know, <laughs> but I feel like people don't, don't talk about that, actually that big connection that we have. Um, so I guess it's just more thinking about, yeah, in the in the zine that I've written, which is the queering intimacy um, work workbook zine. 
I kind of reframe intimacy as familiarity plus affection. So I guess I like to think of it as, you know, there's a sense of like knowingness, there's a sense of connection with whatever other person or thing that we're relating to. Um, but then also, you know, there's some affection, there's some warm heartedness, you know, it's not just this sort of like, you know, static interaction. It's that we're actually like, building some kind of like warmth and connection between us and another being. Um, yeah, and I think another thing that's also important for me to think about, about creating intimacy is how we can take intimacy outside of just like a, you know, like romantic couple or something and how we can extend that like within broader communities or within friendship and how we value all of those other kinds of intimacy that aren't just like the standard ones that we think of, you know, like a monogamous like relationship or a marriage or things like that. I'm kind of interested in all the ways that we interact with each other and show like care and affection and closeness that aren't normally um, that normally are not like validated by the society that we live in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was nodding along the whole time and I'm also stroking my dog who's lying next to me <laughs> who I've been intimate with for like 11 years now which I can't mm -hmm. yeah um, I really hear what you're saying I think that's so beautiful and I'm really excited to share that with everyone and just imagining as sometimes as I'm recording I'm imagining how people will receive this and I'm just hoping that there are people out there who are looking around themselves as they listen, going like, oh yeah, like what am I really intimate with? And what does that mean? How do I want to tend to that, deepen it, you know, shift it, whatever. And I think this isn't something just kind of fluffy and nice to have or like fun to think about. I think in mm -hmm. so many ways, it's really essential to joy and survival and health and mutual aid and Mm -hmm. everything that we need in mm -hmm. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so you touched a little bit on relating to the non-human world and how we often just think along the lines of often heterosexual um monogamous romantic relationships <clears throat> I'm struggling to even say that out loud <laughs> <laughs> best not to think about it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> I was forming the sentence in my head and as I was doing that it felt this like funny thing in my throat it was like um. <laughs> anyway <laughs> what I was trying to say was like you touched on like going outside of these like imagined boundaries already mm -hmm. and I would love to talk to that a little bit more so you know how do we like what does the work work look like if if we're growing up up within those systems that value these really specific kinds of relationships and then we want to reach beyond that and make connections and you know maybe with the local landscape maybe with animals maybe with just our bed like oh my gosh my bed I just mm -hmm. it's so beautiful I made this new sleeping nook yeah just totally has its own spirit you know it has fairy lights and then my my bed is now kind of surrounded by bookshelves which is what I've always wanted and then I have these soft pillows but let me not go down <laughs> <laughs> you tell me more about that please mm -hmm. 
no I mean it sounds it sounds really beautiful and really cozy and you know I've I've seen some of your previous houses so I know you will have created something really magical and special there um you know I think the first thing to acknowledge is it's really difficult I, I find it like very difficult to um you know step outside of like what we are expected to do or feel or how we're expected to live our lives I mean I think it gets easier with practice but you know I think we live in a society that is like you know it's not just like social norms that sort of like force us into um, particular ways of living but you know it really it's like the whole system you know it's like capitalism it's like white supremacy it's like patriarchy it's all of the big bad things um, you know and it's really structural that you know the way that we relate to other people like there's financial benefits you know if you get married and things like that or like healthcare benefits and then if you step outside of that then you suddenly just actually lose a lot of like structural or state support so it can be really dif difficult to kind of forge your own path but I think you know it's it's definitely worth it because you're opening yourself up to like a whole range of like different more fulfilling experiences potentially um I think for me the most important thing is practice um you know I think that about a lot of things um but I'm just thinking about the way that uh if you just take a walk in the same place every day um which obviously you'll know about having dogs as I do now <laughs> you know you just really become very like familiar with that place in a way that perhaps you know you might have <clears throat> You might have just like walked along the same streets every day and not really noticed them but when you are like walking intentionally and just like stopping and noticing and just like actually taking the time to like connect with what's around you I find that that's like yeah that's actually a really powerful practice I think you know we were talking about the nature as well just being able to like follow like the seasons and how that changes in the place that you live like as I yeah mentioned like you know when I see the snowdrops I'm like yes okay you know things are getting better and just kind of like learning the cycles of the places around you I think that can be a really like beautiful way to just connect yourself to you know not just your own individual personhood because I think we spend a lot of time in our own heads in our own spaces you know or I do anyway worrying thinking about things <laughs> you know and just kind of like getting caught up with a lot of stuff but actually I think that practice of like slowing down and listening and just becoming present and just thinking about you know where am I right now like who or what is around me like what am I connected to I think that's a really great like starting point for just kind of yeah tuning in to where you're at and what you might actually desire like taking that time to be quiet and listen is a really important thing for me yes me too and I I love what you said and I also want to speak to how difficult that can be and how great it is to just start really small mm -hmm. I remember in my early 20s I lived in London and it's weird because I was there the first time I lived in London it was for seven months and I don't even really remember what seasons of the year those seven months fell into because mm -hmm. I was just so disconnected I, I lived in a tiny room in Tufnell Park which was so small that you could either open the door or the wardrobe <laughs> and mm -hmm. <laughs> often I was going to work on the northern line which is the worst <laughs> line in London <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, before it really got light outside and I often came home and it was already dark, which tells me it was probably winter autumn. I'm not totally sure. But anyway, you know, I just I didn't even know what phase of the moon it was either, which I could have also seen at night if it wasn't overcast. But I just didn't. I was just really stressed out, kind of chasing chasing getting a degree and just making ends meet and um and it was such a long process you know like now this would have been 15 years ago I'm in such a different place but it really wasn't an overnight thing or you know something that just magically changed and I still feel like I'm in this really slow process of like sweet and steady and slow reclamation of things that we should all have really easy access and time for Mm. yeah Yeah. um yeah so I always like to tell people when we're recording because um there's just so much changing in the world every minute of the day and I think a podcast is also kind of you know like an archive in a way Mm -hmm. um so it is let me just check (laughs) it is kind of mid-April 2022 and I'm wondering what the pandemic has been like for you the past two years and how it changed your ways of relating or the way you experienced intimacy and maybe you have made kind of new intimacies in your life. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> I think like, you know, in some ways I feel like lucky in a way that I don't know I don't want to say that the pandemic hasn't like impacted me personally because obviously it has but I suppose in terms of like maybe like the specific like health impact of the pandemic like luckily so far that has not been um a big thing for me but yeah I guess I've been fine I guess it could have been worse it could have been better um but yeah I think now that we're like two years in I think I'm really like just having a process of like grieving basically the previous two years like you know there's been some good times but I think something that is really important for me is still that connection with other people and that has been like very very difficult in the past two years and is something that ongoingly is still difficult I mean you know, I know the UK government wants to pretend that it's fine and the pandemic's over. It obviously isn't, you know, it's still very difficult to live here at the moment. And, you know, we've got the highest case rates ever and no access to free testing right now. So it's not great. Um, I think in the absence of that human connection, I think I really, it has like deepened for me Uh, a lot of my relationships with the non-human world or the more than human world Um, I think like for the first six months of the pandemic I was like staying in a friend's flat so that I wouldn't be on my own and I just remember getting into this um, practice of doing a daily walk up behind the flat and there was a golf course there and the golf course was closed because of the pandemic and it just kind of became this utopia it was great you know like there was like dog walkers there were people on bikes there was like children like playing in the bunkers and using them as sand pits and I was like you know this is this is how we should be like interacting with this green space not just you know fencing off for like rich old men to play golf (laughs) um but I think you know that was 
almost exactly two years ago now and it was it was the same like you know we were in daffodil season and then you know we came into hawthorne season and just kind of like yeah tracing that and seeing that like cyclical nature of things that was like really powerful for me to also be exploring that in a new place um i also got into sea swimming and cold water swimming which was a new thing or I mean I've swum in the sea in the summer but yeah I started swimming all through the year and I feel like that gave me yeah a like obviously a much greater connection with the sea to just be around it like throughout all seasons obviously Brighton is a coastal town but I think actually it's sometimes quite easy to forget <laughs> that you live by the sea here um you know because honestly in summer it's just full of tourists and I don't actually really like going to the beach but kind of like getting to know the sea throughout the winter throughout the spring like swimming when it's like four degrees um I think that really just made me feel like much more connected to the place that I live and you know even more aware of like some of the the problems that we're facing with like climate stuff and you know especially in the south of England there's been like a lot of problems with like water companies just like dumping sewage into the sea and you know it's not that I didn't care about that before but like when that becomes like really intimately connected with like you know your like daily practice and how that shows up when literally you can see like the terrible things that are like being done to the water I think that definitely made me feel um yeah more connected and yeah, I guess also more angry, but, you know, hopefully in a good way. <laughs> um, I think also I cannot not mention um, that I got a dog, like many people in lockdown. <laughs> and I mean, that has been a wild ride. And like, that is some like serious intimacy right there. <laughs> um, so I already had a cat and we've been living together for about five years now, but like, getting a dog and like getting a puppy in particular like it's just like a whole new level um yeah I feel like so I don't know it's just so much I like love her so much it's like a bit overwhelming <laughs> at times to be honest and then like to have that kind of like caregiving relationship you know from growing up you know she was like so tiny when she first came to live with us um and now she I mean, she's not that much bigger, but <laughs> she's still quite silly. But I don't know. I guess I just think about how, you know, we spend so much time together. She's probably like the person I spend the most time with. She's like the person I probably like touch the most or she touches me a lot. And, you know, we go for walks together all the time. And there's actually probably like the closest relationship that I have in my life in some ways, certainly in like physical <laughs> proximity ways. Um, and I think about how, you know, for many people, actually, like their relationships with animals are like very, very serious and very significant. And they really are a site of like learning and like reciprocity and love and things. And, you know, that's also another form of intimacy that actually is really not sort of like validated in mainstream society. You know, I think we have the like sort of ableist sexist idea of like the crazy cat lady or something um but yeah I mean animals are great <laughs> and I think the relationships that we form with them have like you know they're really significant in, in terms of like spaces for like mutuality and learning and 
yeah, caregiving and love. So yeah, that's that's just some of the new intimacies that I found in my life in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. And as you were talking, I was also thinking about, um, yeah, just how incredible it is to sleep with these animals every every night and wake up together and look and look into each other's eyes first thing in the morning. It's so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Annie agrees. It is very beautiful, and I really know what you mean. Like, there's so much body contact. I have mm. so much body contact with these two dogs, and I love it. Um, but it's it almost is like emerging sometimes because we're our nervous systems are so attuned to each other that really any mo- shift in mood is going through the whole pack <laughs> immediately. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, any danger is like a danger to the whole pack. We all are just emerge, and so yeah, um, that yeah, and you're right. There's so much to learn as well, and so much um, reciprocity and negotiation and all these great things I'm so grateful to be with dogs mm-hmm. and I totally agree about the golf course um that sounds amazing <laughs> I mean it's a big problem in Scotland as well right <laughs> it is a really big problem yeah I feel like um so much of so many of these explorations and ideas come from really beautiful places in our minds right Mm -hmm. and I think they are growing in a soil of like good rest and good people and um it's just time to chill and and that's so important and so valuable and so I want to take this a little bit more into the direction of thinking about how neurodiverse ideas and imaginations um, and dreams kind of inform this practice and help us move more towards liberated ways of relating Mm. it's a long sentence (laughs) (laughs) it's a long sentence but it's a good one (laughs) yes yes Mm. yeah so I think I can only really speak from my own experience as an autistic person but I think for me the yeah being neurodiverse I think it just like gives me so many different ways that I feel or like different opportunities to interact with the world in a different way. Um, You know, I think even from like a really young age, I think I just, I feel like I just kind of like was given this gift to basically, am I allowed to swear? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. Okay. I feel like, you know, my autistic brain was like, I can just, in some ways, I can just kind of like see through some of the bullshit of like, um, yeah, society's rules and things. Like, I think I've always been like, on the one hand, I really love rules. And if they're like rules that make sense and I feel I like just rules and then I'm like, oh my God, I love rules. I love boundaries. Like, yeah, give them to me. But then on the other hand, I'm like, if I feel there's like some laws or like rules or norms that like just don't make sense I feel like I can just immediately be like I mean that's yeah that's just bullshit like we don't you know where does that come from um and I feel like you know as a like baby queer or like getting into feminism and stuff I was like yes oh my god like other people have like kind of seen through some of this um crap that we're fed to in in society that just like doesn't make sense so I think this kind of you know autistic power of just like seeing through like the lies and being able to like 
you know, I guess just connect with like actually what is true for ourselves. I think that's really important. And, you know, not feeling really like bound to these particular like conventions or norms and just feeling like, you know, empowered to actually do what is right for us or at least try to figure that out, I think is like super important. And yeah, I'm really happy to have that aspect in my life. Um, I think also something that I have found very useful in my own life is just getting really good at doing direct communication. Um, it's very hard to talk to neurotypical people sometimes. <laughs> you know, I think the way that, you know, most people speak, it's sometimes it can be quite like elusive or it's not quite clear what the meaning is, but I think at least in my relationships with other autistic people, something I really like value is that like, you know, we can just be honest, we can just be direct and we don't have to, you know, try and allude to things or, you know, I mean, if people do that with me, I just, I don't understand it. So, <laughs> so but yeah, that doesn't really work. Um, and I think like, yeah, in connection to that is, sort of having this awareness of our own needs and of our own boundaries and just being able to be really like explicit about that you know I think these are all I'm framing them in terms of like autism and stuff but I think these are all like really valuable tools that anyone can benefit from and any relationship can benefit from yeah direct communication like talking about needs talking about boundaries and also just yeah just questioning like what am I doing right now and is that something that I've chosen or actually is that something that I'm just doing because I feel like I should do it or someone's told me to do it and if I take some time to actually kind of sit with that and think what is right for me you know where where does that lead me and once I know where that leads me or, or I have some idea how can I manifest that in the world um yeah Yes, I was again nodding along and really deeply agreeing with my whole body about those ideas around direct communication and also rules and the love of rules, but also the like the really strong bullshit detector with mm -hmm. the money <laughs> that just makes no sense whatsoever. <clears throat> mm -hmm. That's very true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Annie is again <laughs> appearing in the key moments. <laughs> yeah, <I love> it. <laughs> it's very nice to hear him um, participating. <laughs> yeah, I love it too. Mm -hmm. um, so another thing I love about you and your practice is that you are not just talking about these things, but you care so much about making them accessible and initiating and nurturing conversations. I've been to one of your creating <laughs> intimacy workshops, gosh, many years ago. I remember it being outside, maybe mm. 2019 or 18, I'm not sure. Anyway, a long time ago. And um, I really loved it. And I'm so happy that there is a zine now. And I would love to hear more about what writing that has been like and um, what your hopes for the zine are and how people can work with it. Mm. Thank you. You know, I think it might actually have been in 2017. I think it was a really long time ago. Um, yeah, so me and the person I collaborated with, we ran a couple of the Queering Intimacy workshops, um, yeah, which you attended. And I think they were like really well received and it felt like it was really um, important work. 
um, prior to that, I had been involved in writing um, the fucked scene, which was about uh, navigating sexual dysfunction within sex positive queer scenes. Um, so in a way, it kind of felt like the queering intimacy zine was sort of like an evolution on from that and like maybe not dealing only specifically with like sex and stuff, but also kind of expanding that and thinking about all forms of intimacy and how we relate to other people and like where the potentials for like joy and connection were. So yeah, we ran a couple of those workshops and then I don't know, I think life just happened. I went back to university, I got a new job, like, you know, the pandemic <laughs> happened. Um, but it's always been something like really important to me and that I think and talk about a lot in my daily life um, is how we can like build these different connections and different kinds of relationships and things. And I actually ended up doing um, like an Instagram takeover with Far and Pride in 2020 and just talking to a lot of people there and answering questions and things. And that kind of just reminded me that like, you know, you know, when you like think about an idea a lot all the time and then you're like, yeah, well, this is really obvious. Everyone knows about this, obviously, because it's in my brain all the time. And then, <laughs> and then you talk to other people and you realize, oh, actually, wait, this is like really actually very helpful for other people. And it's new information. And it would be really good to share that with as many people as possible. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. <laughs> so well, just today it occurred to me that not everyone wants to spend hours every week researching textile history <laughs> in my head all the time doesn't mean mm -hmm. everyone is yeah you're totally right fascinating some people want to spend their time in different ways I don't know why yeah it's wild it's totally wild <laughs> but yes I was like wow maybe not everyone just like reads a million books about relationships and like spends a lot of time hanging out with plants um <laughs> so yeah I guess a couple of years ago I was like yeah I think it would be really useful to actually turn it into a resource for people and you know I don't have so much time to do workshops anymore although I'm still open to that but basically making it into a workbook would mean that many people could access it and you know I'm offering it as a resource for people to run their own workshops if they want to based on the material in the book or you can just use the book on your own, like for journaling prompts and things. Um, but yeah, I hope it is a really val valuable tool and, you know, helps you to just think about like, yeah, the different relationships that you have in your life, the different like intimacies, things like that. And kind of hopefully feel just like a bit more empowered to like, you know, pursue the kind of like desires and relationships that you want. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it did it's been a long time coming I think yeah like five years since we did the initial workshops and like you know writing it took a long time because I was kind of like writing in the summer holidays from university but it got to like the end of last year and I was like I have to finish this now like <laughs> I need to put this out into the world so yeah here we are um yeah and the zine is available on my Etsy shop which we'll link to in the show notes and yeah, I just hope that it can be a really like, yeah, sweet and useful resource for people who are interested in thinking about all kinds of relationships, really. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for bringing all that together and doing the thing amidst all these other things that you were doing and are thinking about and dog care and whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. It is a lot just to breathe and stay hydrated these days, I think. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, Jade, it was so good to talk to you. Do you feel like there's anything that we haven't touched on that you want to talk about? And also, yes, we'll link to that in the show notes, the Etsy shop, but is there another way for people to connect with you? Do you enjoy social media? Or do you have any recommendations for other podcasts? Maybe any closing thoughts? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I mean, I don't know if I could say I enjoy social media, but um, you can find me on Instagram where I post sometimes. Um, that's at Letters from Mars. Um, yeah, so we'll put a link to my Etsy shop as well. And yeah, I also have a zine subscription, which is currently on Patreon. I'm hoping to move it to a more cooperatively run platform at some point in the future. So maybe by the time this goes out, I'll be there, but maybe not. I'll be on yeah Patreon and if you subscribe there it's like a small monthly fee and then you will receive all of the zines that I publish in the future sent to you as a hard copy um I think that's everything yeah I think something else I was just thinking about like in terms of like neurodiversity I was also just thinking about like alternative forms of like affection and like different ways that we can like do relationships and things but I don't know maybe that's maybe that's for another podcast in the future <laughs> yeah thank you so much Yarrow thank you so much I would love that yes come back anytime I know second interviews are kind of like a cherry on the cake that's not really how this thing goes is it anyway <clears throat> yeah, yeah that is isn't it I don't know I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm autistic so who knows <laughs> who knows <laughs> who knows what the neurotypicals are saying I think what I was saying is um I would love to have you again I think three interviews are a charm that is definitely a saying mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there is indeed so much more to talk about but I think we've covered a lot of really beautiful ground today and I'm super grateful for your thoughts so thank you so much Jade yeah thank you so much for having me Yara it's been a real pleasure to connect with you again so yeah cheers <laughs>